0: All right, welcome back
1: to the podcast, Real Raw and Flawed, with your host Michael Pinky. We got Chapter Two coming, so we just went over the the origin, the beginning, uh, the before Michael, if you will, 1980 into where I was born. I had my my sister on as a guest to kind of fill in the first five years or so up till about 85. We left it off there. Last week I did a reflection on. That podcast about what I learned and, and how I kind of felt about it and and just understanding and knowing a little more information that I was not aware of uh, day one. So again, I I've had my sister join us today. Amber, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, so Amber's joining us again for now, chapter two. We we kind of left off, if you recall, uh, about nineteen eighty five. Is that correct, Amber? Yes, yeah. Okay, so just a touch, a small recap. We, Time I was born, we learned information about the timeline that I thought existed was off. Um, Then we we moved into our first home that my dad kind of hustled through a job that my mother, my father, Amber, and I both lived in, which I did not recall these years. Uh, And according to Amber, these were... Pretty good times, right?
0: Yeah, I thought so. I mean lots of uh, summertime antics and sprinklers and um, yeah, just,
1: normal normal kid stuff?
0: Yeah, bicycles <clears throat> and fun, yeah. We were in the streets type things were different too, you know, it was very safe times so the kids could play outside until the light street lights came on and
1: Okay, it was so, just different time. so up till that point, about eighty five, let's call it, or into eighty five, pushed on eighty six everything seemed to kind of get to normal um, the effort from mom and dad seemed like they were they were doing this right get a house start of have the family and do it yeah and
0: I mean uh, to my recollection I mean I was personally having so much fun just kind of having the house, having friendships, living in the neighborhood, being, you know, 10 years old uh, that I, you know, I don't really even remember much other than the breeze flowing through the windows and the radio playing. You know, I don't I don't see pictures of my head exactly of mom and dad. But
1: OK, yeah. so, so there was to be clear, there there was some it's not like you were very clear about all of the year's as well right like you don't remember everything
0: no i mean in and out i mean i happen to be just a kind of a hyper surveillance human being whether i was born that way or whether that, that whether that was the trauma induced at five and i kind of woke up i i have no idea but um i remember more than probably most people for those age groups but i yeah there's there's lots of time and years where it's just kind of in and out. And even since our podcast, you know, I've remembered a few things or I came upon some pictures that were, happened to be the same exact years that I forgot all about, you know, going to picnics or some of their mutual friends or, you know, some of the other fun we had, but no, I don't don't remember
1: everything. So Amber did share with, uh, with me, some of these pictures after we had the podcast and sent them to me. And as I kind of stated in my, my reflection, podcast. I don't, I still don't remember those times. It didn't put me there. It didn't relapse a memory for me. So I'm still a little uh, dark on those, but, um, let's, let's continue and move on. So the last thing we touched on really quick was, um, you know, I think where we left, it was the good years. And then, you know, being mom's kind of best friend, you remember, trying to find dad at some point like driving around in the car and did dad start disappearing or did he's when did you kind of notice things
0: right so i don't know i mean uh, it went from um you know like we talked about us having a babysitter you know once a week or so and seemed like mom and dad then must have been going out together socially um you know after work or whatnot and uh I guess at some point, something caught dad's eye. And I mean, who's to say when exactly that happened um, or what happened, but mom started, you know, kind of feeling like he might be up to something. And it's a pretty small town, especially now that we're older and we we realize how small town it really is. And um, I think that he, you know, who knows what was going on behind closed doors, but he was spending time with another woman in town that people knew. And um, she found out and, you know, it seemed like there was a a few different instances where she was upset and had had to leave the house with us in the car, like going to look for him, whether that was to validate, you know, her own truth for herself or I don't know. You know, that's just what you do, I guess. So, yeah.
1: So that seemed you don't really know. When it went from one one time to another, but at some point that started happening, that's probably right around '86. Or did mom? What did you remember? What your mom left?
0: Well, I yeah, like I, I like I said, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it may have been one or two years. I know that I, I remembered after our last talk that um, our cousin John Heisen and his son Brian had come to live with us for. You know, anywhere from six months to a year, and yet they weren't there for so much of it too. So I'm thinking that it might have been a little bit closer to two years that we were on Ethel Street between 1984 and 1986. But I'm not sure,
1: not sure of the exact dates. So John and Brian Um, lived with us at Ethel. Yes. I did not Uh, know that. I,
0: I don't know if he had just got back from. Let's see. It's now. 84 well he was in Vietnam but like, obviously that would have ended <laughs> years before so I'm not sure where John was maybe he had just um, divorced from his wife Marianne or something and I think maybe they were living in Texas potentially and he came back with just Brian one of his two sons um,
1: and well I don't, you know, the- I don't remember that at all that's crazy.
0: Yeah, Brian had a, um, they were renting your room or something, Brian had a uh, red Michael Jackson leather jacket, and, you know, MTV was new, like I said, and I know this is probably way more important to a 10-year-old, but I thought it was pretty awesome that he had a Michael Jackson uh, leather jacket and gloves. I was pretty jealous about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and glove. Just <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so everybody's um, clear.
0: But so... So that, I just remember that kind of after we talked and I was, you know, cause I was trying to think, gosh, it seemed like we packed a lot into a year. Wasn't there more than one summer? And like you said, there's blurs of years because, you know, from that point where dad acquired that house, um, you know, fast forward, I mean, he lived in that house until he died when he was 54 and he was probably only 34 maybe or 33 when he got it. So, you know, there's a lot of. Yeah. A lot of memory kind of blurring. but the very first time that I recognized that something was wrong, you know, I didn't know that we were going to move or that that was going to be the end, or you know, I didn't really know anything. I was just, I just knew that that was going on, and it was upsetting to mom. And um, you know, dad made light of everything, so I can't remember how that went or how much time went in between.
1: Did did. So did. It. Here's what I do remember. I do remember, and I don't know the year or how old I was or how long it went on. I do remember um, uh, the woman he was with, Karen. I I remember her living there. Is that correct? She lived there?
0: Yeah, but but you're fast-forwarding again, Um, so...
1: But this is the same person we're talking about, though. This is where... Yes.
0: Okay. Yes, the same person that we're talking about, that mom catches dad spending time with ends up years later living in that house with dad and dating him for a few years
1: okay alright so that's okay, okay.
0: And, we'll, and we'll get there because she had children and there was all kinds of different other dynamics involved with that um but so pushing so,
1: 86 87 maybe somewhere in here
0: not quite 87 but yeah somewhere in 86 though because remember we lived in Mozart and then Ely Park before mom was diagnosed and I feel like there was some other other landmarks for me that will be able to tell me the the kind of dates and things as we get closer to them but so after that goes down with mom and dad I don't really know what's going on it's mostly behind closed doors you know I don't I'm not privy to anything really as far as you know what's going on in their inner relationship as adults I'm still 10 years old I mean I was in the car and I was old enough to know what was going on in those moments but I You know, I didn't conceptually really know. So then fast forward, I don't know how long this is going on or how long they're fighting or if she knows for sure he's cheating or if he's not coming home. I don't know if he's sleeping there. I have no idea. I just know that the next significant memory I have um, was uh, dad finding something that mom got for A man that she worked with so now mom has been lonely too long and is now starting to seek out attention elsewhere and again i don't know if she's actually involved with someone or if this is just a friend from work or whatnot but dad the hypocrite that he is you know started all this and um he i don't know if he was drinking i don't know if he was just sober i don't know if he was in a state of unwell i don't know what went on but i'm at the very last memory i have at ethel street with mom and dad together literally i believe was the last night that she stayed there um you were in bed with them my bedroom was right next door to theirs i was in bed for the night um <clears throat> they had like a dim light on in their room and they were like you guys were all snuggling it was like him spooning with mom and then you in front of mom And I was in my room trying to go to sleep, and what turned to, you know, just kind of mumbled talking turned into hearing mom cry, and then what sounded like things were starting to get violent. And I remember just being, like, in my room, like, trying to work out in my head. You know, I'm 10 years old. It's like, do I march in there and demand that he stops hurting her, or do I... Call the police? Do I sneak out my window and run down to, you know, the bikinis or something? Like, I'm trying to figure out in my head what's the best solution possible. Because I still, like, I don't fully understand what's going on. I love both of my parents. I'm not, I haven't, like, chosen some side or anything because I don't even know really what's happening, you know? And uh, so I'm weighing it all out, and I, I felt like it went on for eternity. I mean, I was, like, crying and shaking and fearful and scared and, like, hyper-surveillant. Could,
1: like, you, could you hear me?
0: I could. I mean, I knew you were in there, and I think that you were just kind of saying, you know, I don't know, like, just little things. I mean, you were four, so I don't know <laughs> what context you would be saying other than you know i
1: I was crying or if i was bawling or if i was
0: um you probably cried a couple of times i don't know i was in such a state of shock too because i was so worried about you and mom i would i don't know you may have cried here and there and i think you were saying don't hurt mommy or something or i don't know what and i ended up like charging in the room and just exactly that just kind of confronting the situation and saying stop you're hurting her and let michael go and blah blah whatever and you know dad in his weird way you know like smiled like diabolically you know like It was perfectly okay that he was, like, holding mom in, like, a loving, passive-aggressive state and, like, punching her while he was holding on – while she was holding you, you know? So I I believe that was the last night at the house. And mom told me years later – she ended up, I think, going to Louisa's, Aunt Louisa's, and you can ask her – and staying there for a few nights until I think she got an apartment I don't know how she found it or got it but I think Mozart Street was where we we lived uh moved from there but I remember her telling me years later that <clears throat> um I was the one she put so much responsibility on me all the time without really knowing it and then wondered why I always took responsibility for everything um but that I was the one that, you know, told her to leave and told her to leave dad and to get out and that she was better than that or whatever. Like, she took advice from a 10-year-old, which, you know, I guess is good because it was a bad situation in the moment. Um, but, yeah, so that was, I think, the very last night that she stayed. So when you did your reveal and reflection last week <clears throat> on Thursday to follow up our conversation and, you know said that you were sharing things you hadn't really shared before and that at times in your adolescence you had felt like you know just not wanting to participate any longer in whatever life you knew or this and that I everything mean, you know I identified that you were definitely struggling in and out of depression maybe not any more than any other teenager I mean being a teenager is really, really hard. But you had some tough moments at a young age that definitely could have also shut you down emotionally. You know, combined with you know your
1: sign yeah. and your nature. You know, so yeah, I feel you like you I probably feel like don't I, remember uh,
0: that. Do you remember anything like that, or
1: not really? Or? In my teens, I do for sure. I mean, I I went through it. That's those are memories that I clearly have. Um, what? I just of. Uh, memories of of me not wanting to be not me not wanting to participate in anything me not wanting to be here um and it was late it was definitely later i mean it was my teenage years where i felt that things were so overwhelming and i think without knowing i don't know this for a fact i'm just gonna say it because i'm having an emotional response to it but i think that Later on, when I saw fighting happening, you know that I get very quiet. I never, yeah. I never participated in it. It without saying very few, maybe hurtful words, but I didn't really said much. I, I went quiet and internalized it and wouldn't wouldn't participate in it. And
0: yeah, which makes sense based on your first, um, you know, interaction with
1: it. Yeah, but it I think was, I think it's what
0: very very intimidating, and you have this guy who's like. It's like passive aggressive. He's like smiling and holding, and like in a place that's supposed to be safe—in your bed, in your home, with your family—and he's like violently like holding mom down and punching her, and she's like bawling her eyes out. You know. It's,
1: it's well, I think not, I don't. How think, is a four-year-old because, four year old intro because I don't because I don't know that and remember. I really I really don't have any recollection of any of it. Um, yeah, but you but, know how you felt. But I know how I felt when I heard fighting later on. Like, so we'll obviously yeah. we'll get to this way later, but this this didn't this wasn't like it didn't harm our family later in their years, even when you and I were adults. This right. showed this showed up multiple times in our adulthood um, with both our parents and and with you and I, which we'll share later. But <clears throat> I remember clearly about you know being in my mid-teens about having either you or mom fighting or, or you and I getting into argument or uh, listening to dad have to say some shit and you argue with him. or Me witnessing one of those situations always brought back a feeling of uh, like everything was about to end. Like it seemed That's so yeah. serious in those moments to me that's, that's why yeah. I shut down. I, I just wanted to be all, I thought everything would be ruined and it'd be over. And I didn't want to be a part of it. And I wanted it to be over. And that's where I started getting those, I remember clearly feelings of, of not wanting to be here anymore. <clears throat> and I think it probably goes back to, the, the memory doesn't pull up for me during those, right. but the feeling does. The emotion comes. Exactly. So I, I obviously witnessed it because I was there.
0: Kindergartner now, kindergartner, like a four-year-old doesn't know anything conceptually, but kind of knows everything at the same time, you know? So that's a, it's an interesting age to be affected by something so deeply disturbing. And it makes sense because really, in all of the conflicts going forward that we'll get into through the years, your mom's protector. Yeah. You, you, and that makes sense because of where it all began the origin of it began too um you know all you know is your mom is love up until this point and then all of a sudden this other person you're supposed to trust is like hurting her in a way that you've probably never witnessed and of course you're going to go into fight or flight mode just subconsciously even at four years old Which then will trigger every single time that there's a conflict where anybody gets violent or loud. And, you know, unfortunately, I was never violent, but I was always loud that way that dad was, you know. So...
1: Okay, so let's... So, Mom, Mom, that's probably her last night there, I'd say. She leaves, she stays with Aunt Louise. Are we still a dad's? Obviously.
0: I think for, like, a day or two, I mean, but, like, it wasn't like he was responsible for us. I'm pretty sure we were either in school or going to grandma's or, you know, we were always cared for. We had multiple people, support team around us.
1: Okay, so mom finds Mozart, obviously, and she comes and gets us? Is that... Yeah. Did that? How did that go? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was
0: at grandma's, and I'm pretty sure that dad went into... You know, Dad, during those years, especially once he realized that he fucked up and lost Mom, like, went that one step too far in a couple areas after everything they'd already been through five years before, like, they thought the worst was over. And I think Mom was just so devastated. And I think that regardless of Dad's actions with other women or whatever it was he was involved with, I think I really do believe in my heart that Mom was the love of his life. I just don't think that he... Was ever worthy of the love in, in his own heart and, and identity, and also um, he was a self sabotager mm-hmm. again. Whether that was about self worth or whether that was just his um, wanting to break the rules or he could only sit still for so long. You know, I don't I don't know where all that came from, but um, yeah. So anyway, so he was kind of a control freak during those years obviously now he's losing mom the one thing that he thought he had control of she's been in love with him since she was 16 years old it's literally like you know 15 years later that she's loved him and she's finally like a grown woman and she's out she's drawn the line and taking care of us and having her job and doing what she had to do becomes that much more important and so she starts to build a life of her, of her own. And, you know, it was, it was pretty bare bones, but I mean, we always had really, I thought nice places and safe places. And she took us back and forth to school constantly. We always had a Johnson city address, whether that was dad's or whatever. The other thing to remember, and I don't know if you remember more the conversation either when it was happening or years later, but you know, dad spited her typically when, A husband and wife break up especially during the 80s and 90s and there's children involved the wife gets the house for the for the children and dad absolutely would not relinquish it i don't know if he put it in his mom's name i don't know what but he was not going to give up the house and give her everything he he basically at that part that's when he really really started to live more of the life that we're more used to where he just went off the grid like i'm not going to pay child support i won't i won't have it i'll always work under the table so i don't have to he would threaten her he would tell her he was going to take the kids he would turn us against each other he'd tell this is all this
1: is all this is all mozart street
0: this is like the freaking next like no no I, to,
1: I know that so three, the three to ten years to follow no I know that so let's not let's not jump ahead because I remember a well, lot of this, is this very stuff much but let's, in
0: that time because she's kicking mom is has to move out of the house with the children and he's going to keep a, an entire house for himself
1: no I get that part so I, I get the part where we both I, I witnessed, you know till he died I mean I I, I get yeah. that part I mean when she moved to Mozart. Yeah. How many years were we there before Ely Park? you know? I,
0: I think we were really only there for like one year. I, I I don't even know if we were there for like a full lease or whatever. I just know that we were on a waiting list for Ely Park. I'm sure Mr. Shreddy had something to do with it. He was always helping and bringing and dropping off groceries and all kinds of stuff through the years. So and during, the
1: no during that time at Mozart, say, let's call it a year-ish, maybe a, yeah. a, a lease, was Dad at trying to stop by and try to control the situation was he trying to see us was he just trying to control mom what was
0: I he definitely was not really trying to see us we had shared custody of Coco and we needed his address because we wanted to stay at Johnson City School District that was probably more about me than you
1: Coco's a dog by the way so everybody's listening yeah
0: Coco's a dog um we had to use his address for school because primarily probably more for me than you yeah No, because I wanted to go to Johnson City. I could have moved to Binghamton,
1: but I didn't want to change schools. No, I meant, yeah, yeah, you had to pay school tax to go from county to county. That was another, that's another part of the the scams we grew up with in our lives, whether it be, it's not like mom pulled any, but our family dynamic, from what I remember growing up for my whole life, was full of different angles, if you will. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think like, it's part of the times. It didn't seem like anybody with
1: any more or less money was doing anything different. May, may, weird. Maybe not. I'm just saying, I feel like my life yeah. was full of angles where yeah. I, don't, I don't know that the world has got any more uh, like strict about <laughs> real laws, but I, I find <laughs> myself in a life now that I've, I've not had to make a decision about an angle. Um, and that's maybe that's where i put myself, but... And maybe it's just where you are, I don't think it's the times. I think it's just uh, where think, you are. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, if we it's were not a money thing. On, if we were still living on Chapin Street or something in downtown Binghamton and it was two thousand nineteen, it could feel like nineteen eighty eight if we were still scam you know, trying to get by but like that,
1: That's what I mean. You that's know? what I mean. Yeah. If you still
0: wanted to wear Uggs and, and, and have cable but no jobs, you know, yeah, you know, you can, you can still live that way. I'm sure
1: tons of people do. But I think I think you and I can agree that good, I think there's a lot of good that came out of the hustle mentality of Dad and the way he did things. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I, I can speak for myself. I, I struggled for many years early on as a teen, young adult to know the difference of the line of of hustle, which I do today, and hustle, which isn't quite—it's frowned upon. Up up. Yeah, not quite in the up and up. Like yeah. that's not really hustle; it's more like uh, crafty, uh, crafty criminal activity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a borderline. Ish. It's definitely wine,
1: I, I it's a gray area. Like,
0: yeah in my in my literary years to follow i like to call it
1: anti-establishment yeah 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 well that's what you spoke of i'm not going to pay the government <laughs> right what do i owe them <laughs> right what do i owe them for so yeah um, all right so we're we're dad just kind of kind of really playing the the victim a little bit like he lost the one thing he thought he could control and still was trying oh, to do that
0: yeah. oh yeah And so right now, I mean, he would manipulate her for child support, threaten her, or, or, you know, maybe, you know, use sex or all kinds of different things that were not on the up and up. Again, why I was privy to these types of things other than to fodder the war, uh, I have no idea because I was much too young. And I'm sure some of it came in from, like, babysitters and things, you know.
1: But. um, Well, I do remember mom and dad early on. I don't know how far this goes back from me. I'm sure you can share in this. That I remember from pretty much, I've only known them as separated. So I guess from first memory, I remember them always. Dad more in a manipulative way. Mom more in this innocent way. But both of them pitching each other against each other, using us in the middle. 100%. Always. And mom did it in this like, like, kind of like feel bad for me way dad did it in this kind of manipulative of your mom's a, you know like he he said stupid jokes you know all the time in front of people and hypochondriac right I, anything to diminish it it wasn't it wasn't too bad it wasn't Right. like you it know, was kind of funny but it's uh, demeaning right and mom was a little bit more from a victim angle but they I remember them using you and I for so long against each not purposely like oh you're it's just there's a picture, but using against each other and using our relationships with them against each other. Yeah,
0: and at different times based on who was closer to who at the time.
1: Correct. Throughout. I remember that very clearly. I don't know yeah, when it started and, for me, but it was early. And I always resented, you know, I, like
0: I said, and like I will probably continue to say, you know, I was really tough on mom and... You know i don't know if all daughters are or what the situation is but i just the nature of me i questioned a lot and um i was just real i was just always so offended by like you know listen it's if you're ho- I-, I could just see things clearly in the world but it made it harder when it was in your family because you want to hold your family to a higher standard and yet they're just human beings you don't realize until you grow up and you become that age that oh They're just a human trying to figure it out. You know, you're you're looking at it from the idealistic eyes of a child where, you know, you think, my parents are supposed to know how to do this stuff. Like, how irresponsible and cruel to put me through this when, in fact, they were going through it. It wasn't that they weren't putting us through it. We just, they just happened to have us and they were going through their life. So we internalized a lot of things that really had nothing to do with us except for the fact that we were here.
1: You know, I, I, I kind of see it today is because I've been through this in a small way. Like I've had multiple employees now in the company and I've had to learn how to have that type of family, like a business family and manage that. And and, and kind of had to learn through mistakes of who and what you share with who because it's not good for the bigger picture. And I, I kind of correlated that with them growing up. They shared a lot with us. And if I look at it, they only had us. Um, right. And that's how I, when I went into business for the first time and I started having employees and, and people around me, I was sharing way too much with them. That's really none of their business and or not their problem. Right. right. And it made it even harder for me and them to to grow a, a healthy relationship or business. So I can totally relate like what you said. I we always got to remind the listeners that mom and dad were very young and didn't really have great parenting from their sides to get like and a kickstart. And they had not
0: developed their identities right. or their id or their emotional intimacy or their emotional intelligence. They had, you know, they were completely different than 20 year olds today and 30 year olds today. I mean, 100%. 100%. Um, You know, and and to your point, you know, I wonder from a social study, if we were to take, you know, however many families and everybody, all the families went through the same exact things, whether it was... Infidelity, abuse, verbal abuse, manipulation, divorce, all these things that we've that we've touched on so far, but how it was handled differently between each family, what the different outcomes for the children would be for those children that were sheltered from it, those children that were shared everything because, you know, you need to know these things versus, you know, all the different things. So, you know,
1: My, my hopes are that when we're done with this, that. The answer to that question is it really doesn't matter because it shouldn't matter where you came from or how you got brought up or what you witnessed. It should matter about if you are be able to do what we're doing, face it, see it, make a choice to be different or the same. I think, I think that's where it really comes from because there's many stories of people that have gone through unthinkable, unthinkable things that turn out to be amazing human beings. And we don't know what's behind the doors with them. I'm not saying I know everything. I'm just saying there's many stories that it seems like, man, wow, how did they become the human? And, it's, and I believe the answer through all this is choice. We're, you and I are making a choice right now to put this out there and put us out there. right? I mean, to better ourselves. This is a personal journey. This is a for me, it's a personal quest and a little bit selfish, but if I'm not selfish, then I can't be selfless.
0: Right. And I mean, to the point for me, other than, yes, to serve, to model, to show exactly that, that no matter what our story, we still needed to be here so that we could then serve whatever our purpose is. But how can we help people to arrive at it
1: early (laughs)
0: sooner? Right. I don't want to be
1: 38 arriving to it. I want to be 22 ish (laughs) arriving to it, you know, like. Yeah, and I mean,
0: they say that's like the difference between someone who, you know, a Tibetan monk who studies for 40 years to reach enlightenment and the person who does DMT and reaches enlightenment in, you know, like you said, at age 22 with no work at all. Is there more value in one or the other as long as you've reached the enlightenment? You know, yeah. who's to say?
1: Yeah, ex- um, exactly. I mean, to, right. Is to do it or to never do it. Journey? right? Right. So,
0: um, But... So we're
1: so we're at we're at mom's mom's doing whatever it takes to keep keep care of us working. I know at one point she was working several jobs uh, to pay the rent, make sure she hustled and got us taken care of. And all the meanwhile, dealing with dad's manipulation of of his fear of failure and putting on her
0: yeah manipulating her with fear you know I'll, I'll i won't pay you i'll take your money i'll hurt you i'll break your life like he 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 was he was very threatening verbally in a lot of ways that he didn't necessarily follow through with but um for someone like mom who was so easily intimidated it it was not a good dynamic for anyone involved
1: well i i know that from experience in you can speak on this if you want or not, but I know from my personal experience, I've, I've felt, <clears throat> I've felt in certain relationships, a, a point of helplessness, or seek attention that I've done and said things that I was trying to get attention out of, but didn't exactly mean. If that makes sense, and 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 almost I, like uh, last resort, doing bad whatever bad. it takes to try to get the attention of somebody you've you've either hurt so bad or or you've hurt yourself so bad being with. Um, and I get that angle, and I think it is a – I think people are sick with abuse. I do. I think some people don't know how to fix it, which I, I have empathy for um, because I feel like I've been close to some of those moments. I feel like I've been close to where I feel like I could probably lose control. Sure. Um,
0: I think that that actually just, can I
1: just put this in there interject
0: this? I think that that's actually a sign of a healthy individual. I think that a sociopath is someone who is capable of hurting another person and or being hurt deeply themselves and not having a reaction to it. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that having feelings about it and feeling like at any moment we could lose control, but not losing control is the sign of health. I mean, we, we can recognize that, wow, this this did not feel good or in my comfort zone or in my wheel house or, you know, I don't have the skills to deal with this. I, I feel like I could die or go crazy or lose it or do something I could never recover from. Um, but then you don't and the next day comes and yeah. you grow.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and that, thank God, has differentiated us from, you know, obviously other other situations.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree. <clears throat> um, so, Ma- so mom's doing her thing, hustle, and before we get into... The kind of the, ne- the next block for me really is when I start having some memories that I could actually talk about, and that is the Ely Park years. Now, where I don't know that I don't know the years we moved there. I don't know the years we lived there, to be the truthful. I know it's roughly, well, but I don't I don't know. But I do know that I started building memories once we were in Ely Park. Well, I can
0: tell you the reason that I know the year ish was because one of my first boyfriends in 1988 was at that apartment, and I would have been just turning 14, 13, 14. So we probably moved there when I was 13, so 85, 86, 87, 88. Yeah,
1: so about 19, probably the end of 87, 88, we moved to Ely Park. Okay. So for all listeners know, Ely Park was a, (coughs) was a map. At the time to me. (laughs) Like if I if I go visit it now which I did um, a few years back last time we were kind of there um, it was a townhouse um, property met many different uh, unit sections of townhouse where you pulled in then there's a bunch in there then you pulled in and there was a bunch in there and it spanned over a huge property in the top of the hill in Binghamton uh, technically binghamton city lines and it had like the shared community stuff a basketball court where the kids can go and it was actually, for me, it was really cool. It seemed like we were kind of made it, <laughs> if I look, when I look at it that time, because it, it seemed like such a massive city away from it all, if that makes sense. For me, I felt like we were, we moved, like, completely.
0: Well, so, to your point, so, three things. Number one, we had never in our lifetime experienced new construction, yeah. Okay, let's stop there. <laughs> Until you moved to Arizona, that was probably the second time ever. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? So it was new construction. It was they were four-story townhouses. Everything was new and white and more modern than you know how we all grew up in middle-class Endicott Johnson homes for the most part. Um, number two, it was a community of its own because we were from one school district, but there were several different school districts within this little community. Um, now we would look at it as almost like a gated community only without the billions um, and the pool. <laughs> but it had basketball courts and tennis courts and really what it had was a all-inclusive um, community of children, other kids.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think
0: that's kind of what made it really fun for a kid anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I felt, like I said, it felt like we moved out of the state, almost, for me, because it was kind of far away. We we For my age, moving out of the city was pretty big, right? Like, we moved out of J.C. to Binghamton, even though they're a mile from each other. But it, moving out there, and then that property was so massive, because, you know, you go down, you go around, you go up over the hill, and we were in the back, and it just seemed such a, like a vast place, and it seemed like it was isolated from, for me, probably at the time, all the stuff that I witnessed before, uh huh, which I don't know, but well,
0: and, and also, uh, it was it had a little bit of magic to it because all the things you just said were a little outside of town, we're in our own little community of people we've never seen or met before. Everything's kind of new construction, there's lots and lots of people, and fa- mostly families and things of that nature, but. Within this little micro city, the way that our townhouses, our particular row was, was all of our back sliding glass windows and back windows looked into the woods, which was probably only 100 to 200, what's a football field, 100 yards?
1: Yeah, it was probably 100, maybe a football field, a little longer than a football field to the golf course.
0: Of woods, right, and then it was like never-ending story because there was a golf course and it was like, okay, first of all, I mean, you had probably been exposed a little bit to golf courses with Grandpa and Dad at this point, but barely, and two, nobody's allowed on a golf course, and this was like through the secret wooden path to our backyard. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: So it kind of opened up a whole other world to us, you know? There's a tavern with french fries, what?
1: No, it did. It really, uh, I know why I started remembering, because there was such a massive change in our lives that... It, it was, like I said, I, I think why I started remembering things is because we moved. It was away from everybody. Because we moved in a different district, Binghamton, it was all different people. Because all those people went to Binghamton, you know what I mean? Like, um, it was just a different time, so. Mom
0: from, was much more settled. She had, you know, now been away from Dad for a couple of years and feeling like, I, I can do this.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're going to start the next the next, uh, chapter after I do a reflection and in where we start the Ely Park years, because those, those years are when I really start to remember a lot of things and, and probably help my development, uh, as a youngster, as a kid. So, um, I think we'll pick up back when we move into Ely and, and kind of what that was and, transitioning out of Ely to our first new home with mom, so. Awesome. All right. Is there anything in that time period that was significant to you that you wanted to... Yeah, I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing. There was a... I know you always told me a story, and I can't... I've always tried to jog this part of it, and for some reason I've I've always, like, tried to paint a picture of what it is because I've heard it from you so many times. And weirdly enough, I always... I always see it in an apartment that we actually that was down the street from us on Berkeley Street, which is weird. Maybe I just saw that a lot. You know that big square building on the same side as ours um, on Berkeley, towards Dad's house on the same side. It was just a big apartment building. Yes. It it didn't fit on the block. Yes. Every time I've heard this story, I always, for some reason, I picture us in that building. I don't know why, but it was it was you. This story always came to me through you out of the the tail end of a, probably an argument that you and I had about F you, F this, uh, you don't care about me, you don't know me, which we had a lot of those arguments growing up and always, always in the tail end of it was like, you don't even know how much I care about, and you've said this up till this day, how much I care about you and how much I cared about you and how much I looked after you and you always brought up the... Um, at Mozart when mom was you know hustling, working on a job, that you were the one always watching over me. Um, so I, I, I have a clear memory of that story, I just don't have a clear memory of that time. Um,
0: well, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about the early Park years because I think again, you started to become more of the age where you were a little more acutely aware of, yeah, all of our different identities and, and you know roles we played although you know we were at different times I was like a teenager let loose in this little community and you were like a boy on his bicycle you know just yeah. having the time of your life so
1: it be interesting to see where it goes yeah wonderful so I'm gonna I mean I think when I do a reflection obviously you know I really wish there was a window in a the, in the time where you can look in and just see moments because it it amazes me that you know you can it doesn't really amaze me what i know about the brain we we file things back that we don't deal with and we file them very deep and when we do that in the brain any given moment can bring it lightning speed up to the front of the lobe and affect you and you don't even know why you're going through this whether it be anxiety or stress or high level of emotion because you don't know what it was but it's the point is, it's still in the brain, and uh, just just talking on this one and talking about the last reflection, I felt that feeling a couple of times. So, I know that I was there. I know I witnessed it. I know that I saw it, uh, and just maybe through the end of this journey, I'll uh, I'll start to see it clearly with my own eyes.
0: Well, and interestingly enough, you know, we had this conversation off um, camera. Uh, I don't know just in the last couple of weeks about you know right now in history where we are fast forward 2019 there's this huge influx of information out in the world right now about cannabinoids and it's not just about THC that's the most famous one because you know it's illicit and it's a drug and you know this and that but cannabinoids are actually a neuroreceptor that are naturally in the human brain and What they have been used for historically inside our anatomy is to help us to forget. Because if we were to go through our lives, let's say like we talked about, we spent our lives in New York City. We would literally probably explode into a million molecules if we had to literally remember every single thing that we saw heard, said or felt on any given day throughout our life because it's too much information for any human being to actually take in everything we've ever seen. There's just yeah. so much information and that's why our brain is so amazing. But
1: so, no got, so you guys were just blowing pot smoke in my face when I was at all? Or what <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, no, not at all, But my point is is that um to to our conversation that we were having off camera was that I, you know, I bet you that, you know, with more studies done on people, you know, just like a, one drug or, or exercise or anything affects every single person differently, right? Even the same medication for diabetes can affect nine people completely differently depending on their own personal chemistry. So I wonder if certain people have more cannabinoids, in their natural neural response happening in their brain in all the compartmentalized thoughts and memories that are stored in there. So that, you know, you just, you remember less and it's not here or there. It's just a literal chemical reaction. And some people don't have as many natural cannabinoids, and maybe they actually seek them out in life. They say that, like, feral children in the wild will seek out exact nutrients or things that they need without having any formal education. Same thing. Maybe somebody um, like myself, you know, remembered everything or remembered too much and needs something to be able to suppress some of that, so that I don't have to be firing on all cylinders at all times. So uh, that's just an interesting nuance um, between you and I, as far as you know how we have integrated our memories and/or what are just our natural um, neuropathy is, uh, the, our, the paths of our brains, you know, yeah. and how they're different. So interesting factoid
1: yes. you know. <laughs> no, it is. I had a. I had a. I'm gonna leave. With a with a passage I read today, kind of ended with that. But before I do, I had a a client up at one of the properties we have today. We were just there shooting the shaft. We were done, and kind of where are you from, and this, and he said something about. This is an older gentleman. He said something about his dad. He grew up in New York, um, you know, uh, Long Island as well. Like spent a lot of time down there. He's been upstate the whole nine, and he. He talked about his dad was a member at a private club, and never brought him. I'm like, wow, really? He goes, yeah. He was, he was a dick. He was a real piece of work, like. And we start, we kind of went off that and talking. And he says, you know, he doesn't remember much, you know, from like 12 years old on, earlier. And I was like, that's crazy. I'm actually doing this project right now on a podcast, trying to go through that. I have a very similar upbringing. We started really connecting on it, and he was. He was really blown away with us doing the project, so it really it kind of um, touched him because we, we really sat in that moment and had a mirror moment. He's like, I didn't know that we had such the same, similar upbringing, and we were two generations apart.
0: Well, and through the Law of Attraction, because you're willing to hear this story right now, right. you're going to attract more of the story in, which is 100%. so beautiful. It's exactly what we think about all the time. And I, I really want you to think about for next time when you're thinking about Ely Park, it just kind of came to me as we're ending this. Um, I want you to think about, because I remember as we're looking forward to Ely Park, this is where Dad starts to take more, much more of an active interest in you, something has changed a little bit mom and dad i don't know if they're getting along or not getting along i think they're not really seeing each other or talking to one another but he's picking you up on a more regular basis and he's starting to cut down golf clubs and going with grandpa yeah i yeah, know i remember this just, yeah this is right around the time so i'd like to know what you remember of those
1: days huh? yeah. as
0: far as you remember enter grandpa and <clears throat> the first time he took out some short clubs or yeah. you know that kind of thing so
1: all right so I want to leave everybody with a, a passage I read today that, that really got me. So <clears throat> it says Thought power is the key to creating your reality. Everything you perceive in the physical world has its origin in the invisible inner world of your thoughts and beliefs. To become the master of your destiny, you must learn to control the nature of your dominant habitual thoughts. So I read that. I read that uh, a couple of days ago, and it's everything I talk about. It's everything I believe in my coaching and teaching. Um, You can know just the specifics of so many things and the details and the, the moving parts, but everybody's everything is in their thought, is in their brain. It's trapped in their brain. And when we can reprogram that and get control of our own brains, we can do unfucking believable thing so that really caught me because it it just it captures everything so um, and, and,
0: and to your point the answer to everything every single question that anyone has ever asked about their life or life itself how do I get to the next place how do I stop feeling this way how do I stop hurting how do I stop the pain how do I change my life how do I get it. rid of this no matter what they say no matter what they repeat the answer is practice that's it when hey, you, you and it. I arrived at that same moment of realizing that we could be happy, but we didn't understand why happy, once we got happy, it didn't just stay. Because we had to learn the next part of happy. Now I have to practice happy every day. Now that I found it, now I have to practice it. And no matter what you want to do, you have to practice it. And we, we keep oh. coming around with all of our conversations to the same exact point. Them. If you repeat the negative forever, you will stay right there in it if um, you replace it with a lie or an affirmation you can be a blue mohawk cbs employee or you can be sting i mean it just does not matter anything is there's
1: no limit um, um, i just had that conversation with with b this morning uh, i told her that happiness is so much harder than sadness that's why it's right? so much more worth it so that we have to keep practicing happiness because sadness is a guarantee. Yeah, it's easy. It comes easy because it it needs company and it's easier. That's that's why people struggle with with why I can't you hear this a lot? Why can't I just be happy? I just want to be happier, right. and that's true. Everybody wants that, but yeah. it's because it's harder. It's just like having abs or a six pack. It's harder. Yeah. It's and harder. And you have
0: to choose it over and over again. You can't just, if, if I'm happy today and then tomorrow I don't wake up as happy. Yeah, your I, abs get okay, soft. Happiness is possible. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: right. They're going to get you soft know? and they're going to get bigger and then you can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's going to be harder to get back to that. So that's why, you know, little things like working out for the first time is almost unbearable. But and right
0: back to the neuroreceptors and the neural pathways. So yep. the more we practice anything, whether it's happy or negative or exercise or golf or whatever we practice, the neural pathway becomes that beaten path through the woods that you take every single time because the grass is already all worn down. The dirt's there for you. You don't have to work at it. The neuroreceptor will go flying through that path that it recognizes as something that we do often so oh, yeah. it's the same thing with negative and if we just repeat the negative what's going to happen is guess what path of least resistance well it's easier to just be fucking miserable I'm just going to wake up and bitch and complain and this
1: sucks, and that sucks. But, I'll you know, tell you what some, sometimes you have it too you know part of that conversation was giving her credit for already having it and and being letting other people be witness to it like I do yeah. believe some people actually walk through it and not even know they're also searching too for their own, but they're actually walking the path of, of that, and right. and reckon you have to recognize sometime that you are, you are everybody else's witness. Like they're witnessing you do something that's ma- making massive change that you don't even know. So I, I right. reinsure like that that's exactly what she was doing, unknowingly, and that's a huge part just to be self aware of that. So, look, th- this. This is like super self-reflection. Look in the mirror. Look in the puddle. See your image. Uh, the mirror that's not even you. Uh, and and know that we're all in this together. We're gonna keep saying that. This this story that I'm sharing, that Amber sharing, that's it's not ours. It's it's all of ours. It's it's everybody's. So um, looking forward to continue sharing with you. Look forward to next uh, next podcast. I'm gonna do another reflection on this one. Just to spend two days to. to to take in what i've learned in this one the emotional response and and come back and have some reflection of that and then we'll be right back at it get those ely park years going (laughs) all right sounds good all right i love you appreciate you all the all the guests I, i i can't thank you enough for coming along on the journey the the response has been great from our friends family uh strangers keep on go on to itunes the app is already on your phone if you have an iphone it's a little purple app that said podcast. It's free. Search in there, real, raw, and flawed. You download it, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. It makes a difference. And leave a review. It's massive for us. You leave a review, we can keep doing this, uh, keep going, and write something out. Not just stars. Write something so we have something to talk about. I can I can respond to questions. Uh, this is this is about being completely open. So appreciate you. It's on SoundCloud iTunes, It's going to be on um, Spotify, and we'll be recording some as well. Look for some YouTube stuff, updates coming. All all the media is going to be on my personal page, uh, Michael Finke, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine. Appreciate you all. Love you. Can't wait to keep sharing with you. Love
0: and light off.